0: Participated in a weekend with good friends run by good friends sponsored by I would say organized by good friends of Jackson Elias, all the people involved in that podcast and that would be Matt Sanderson, Paul Fricker and Scott Dorwood and I, it's the first time I participated in this online con there's some, I think a really cool aspect about it is that um, it is a lottery system to get into a game, there are a lot of people including content creators that run games are testing out their games and the organizers felt it was not fair to have people sitting at midnight GMT ready to press the button to get in a game so you have the GM submit their games there's a list of games you choose the priority what games you want to be in and the priority and boom it goes into a hat magic eight ball whatever Um, And the people who, the games are populated based on this lottery system. So I submitted two games to A Weekend with Jackson Elias. This time February ran from Friday the 18th to here Sunday the 20th. The first game I submitted was The Bone Collectors, a medieval pulp game set in the wake of the Battle of in on May 29th, 1461. I'm a big fan of The War of the Roses, um, probably what you would imagine Game of Thrones is based upon. I mean, you even have House Lancaster slash Lannister. Mm. Anyway, so I, I that was a, uh, one game I proposed, um, something I've designed and thought about. And the other game that I ran was a game of Delta Green called Emergency Stent that really was inspired by my real-life events, and uh, both were very successful, I got really good feedback, which is what I wanted in these sort of, they're like outlines in my notebook type of games right now. Um, and I hope to bring them, improve them, bring them to fruition, maybe get them on a convention circuit. Um, who knows, publication, that's that's the dream, that's the end goal, I'll get some content out there. Not that I would ever want to make money on this, but uh, I don't know, it'd be kind of neat to do. Um, Anyway, I also played in three games, and they were really fun. I got to play in a Down Dark Trails, Call of Cthulhu game. I got to play in a Call of Cthulhu Modern game. And I got to play in a game that I never played before, which was a PDQ. I think it's Jewels of the Serpent. I I think that's the Sword and Sorcery version of that. But uh, run by Scott Dorwood, actually. Um, It was really fun sword and sorcery game. And uh, yeah, I'll talk about them today in this podcast. Thank you for joining me here at The Geomologist Presents. Thank you for listening. And uh, sure, let's uh, get into a weekend with a good friend. So, the first game I ran. I entitled The Bone Collectors. This was my medieval pulp game. And I don't want to, I'm going to talk about the design and some things that I felt came from the game. I don't want to give too much away because you never know, even some of you listeners might uh, get vetted to play test because I always say it needs work um, for sure. Um, nothing comes out perfect the first time you try to do it. Uh, and, and you're one, I would say that, even as, you know, in my scientific publications, you're all second guessing, you're always trying to improve. That goes for both manuscripts and grants, right? So uh, it's the same approach I would take here to making a, a game adventure, for sure, right? It's the same type of iterative process uh, that one would go through. So the setting is uh, March 29th, 1461, the Battle of Towton. it is a uh, Palm Sunday, very cold. Um, it is snowing. The wind is blowing from the north. Um, no, the wind is blowing from the south, even though, and it is cold. Still, the wind is blowing. Um, yeah. And I actually started the adventure the day before because I wanted to run through, um, this sort of what I'm calling the luck battle, Uh, a, a phase of the adventure where the players are participating in the Battle of Tauten, and instead of going round by round, blow by blow, I had the battle, the events, broken up into different segments, and players would roll a a skill of their choice, and depending on the outcome, they would gain or lose luck, or take some damage from just the fighting around them, Um, getting involved in engagements, kind of trying to, I was trying to promote that the players kind of came up with a narrative of what they were doing in this particular segment of the battle. And I think it went really well. Um, I did add a little, I gave some choice to some of the characters just depending on who they were and just to back up slightly um, I had made three characters. I talked about this in a previous podcast, three characters from New York, Side, three characters from the Lancaster side, a knight, noble, a man at arms, and a bowman. And I definitely have plans to add maybe non martial characters just in case when you run it and someone doesn't want to play, um, you know, a a warrior type. There are definitely roles to be played for people who are maybe peripheral to the battle but still got caught up in it for sure, you know, clergy. People involved in the camp, including camp followers, the families of the participants of the battle, because you know in medieval times, especially during the War of Roses, you know, the families would go because you know it's like you're uprooting their in a way one of their mem- members of the family for a whole season, and this was actually a tactic to improve morale because you're fighting for you know your spouse and your children back at camp as well as for. Whatever cause you're a part of. So, those are definitely possibilities. I definitely need to work on that and add to that as part of the adventure. So, I had five players show up, uh, one did not show up, but I went ahead and enrolled with it. So, the different outcomes would have been extreme success, hard success, success, failure, and fumble, um, as determined by, you know, sort of the Call of Cthulhu 7th edition. Those are the different tiers of success. So, um, what I learned, a couple things, and I got some feedback. What I learned, just self evaluation, is by the end of the luck battle, uh, the characters were kind of beat up. So, I definitely need to take down the amount of damage they take a notch, I think. And what I ended up doing is giving them sort of six points back, um, kind of narratively. In my mind, there would be during downtime, first aid, taking a, taking a breath, uh, you know, a breath, a rest. Um, bandaging their wounds, etc. But I definitely want, need to, to take that down a notch. And then another thing is, while one character was able to see something strange during the battle, uh, a player suggested, well, throw some strangeness on the battlefield. I, you know, everyone knows something weird is going to happen. It's Call of Cthulhu. You got this Call of Cthulhu convention. But what if it's people have never played, right? So, um, yeah, definitely, I think you could, he gave, they gave me some ideas on how I could do that. Throw some strange things into the battle. Um, that give an element of the supernatural, or the, uh, the occult, or the mythos, right? So um, so that, I thought that phase went really well, and one player did say, I'm gonna take that and use that in my games when I want a big thing uh, going on in the backdrop of my adventure. So yeah, have at it. It's awesome. Uh, my inspiration is kind of from Pendragon, the way they run battles and do battle system in Pendragon, and I kind of used this idea when I ran my Cthulhu Invictus game, um, various folly slash uh the last eagle uh, way back a couple of years ago for some of some of uh, you maybe um I know that uh, Colin Green was in it uh, Jason Connolly participated in that as well so uh and so did uh, Darren green um, yeah, as you know him as head on the discords, so I took inspiration from that, tweaked it a bit, I gave some actual outcome um from this part one of the adventure. So the next, the next part, um, went into like the first encounter with the mythos. And I thought, uh, that went very well. I, you know, I, I, I believe the adventure what I will do is so you could have like four to six player characters would be great. Um, and then you can scale it, scale the number of, uh, mythos that you encounter or denizens of the mythos, creatures of the mythos you encounter in um, the next phases, based on the number of players. So I have that already in mind and jotted down some notes. But I think the pulp heroes can encounter a lot. And something I did pull in from other uh, Call of Cthulhu's, from Call of Invictus and Call of Dark Ages, is the use of armor and armor mitigation. And that, I think... Uh, was well done. Uh, the players really enjoyed it. It made them kind of a bit more bold, which you want action in a pulp game, right? So they're a bit more bold. They're not timid. My armor protect. The armor protects as it should. I had different tiers of armor. I had, you know, what the um, the knights wore, you know, full plate armor. I had uh, plate mail like what the men at arms wear. You know, like either brigadine or scale or ring, what they would have. And then, you know, sort of the lighter armor uh, with a little buckler that um, the the archers would wear. So uh, it it was pretty cool. The armor mitigated as it did, and it was swingy, which is what you want. You know, sometimes even with a plate mailware, you're gonna get a stab in or a, a rip in uh, through the link, through, you know, in between the plates. And uh, sometimes the plate's gonna totally protect you, which was really neat, so. Uh, it definitely, um, I was, their ingenuity really uh, say, held the day in this first encounter with the Mythos, and then subsequently, you know, I left, uh, I also kind of designed intentionally certain clues that they were going to find um, in both in this part and then in the next part where they found, you know, the quote-unquote lair. And there are some little tidbits that they may that they did not find in the adventure, which was okay because they weren't, you know, key clues. So I kind of took this idea from Trailer Cthulhu and even though, so, and Delta Green in a way too, that made the clues obvious enough to give a bonus so that they will will for sure make it or put several clues there that they can, you know, kind of find um, so that they know how to get to the next phase instead of the, uh, the issue with Call of Cthulhu A a, a lot of times a complaint is, well, we can never get our libraries. We never get our spot hidden. We don't find the clues. I think you want to make it so that they find the clue to get to the next phase. And you have other things that could give color but are not key clues. So I had those too. So while the players didn't find everything out, they found out what they needed to find to proceed to the next phase. So in the second phase, uh, they went really well. And I thought something that was innovative is that they were able to turn the bad guy's weapons against them. I thought that was really cool. So some of the the obscure talents that you think wouldn't work, I think got to get put into play. And I really like how the players did that, Um, looked at their character sheets, examined them, kind of exploited their talents, I think properly. And then um, another thing that happened later is that when they were looking at the background of their character, they really played up on, man, I want to make sure that, you know, my treasure possession is put into play. What does this do? Um, here's my background. I want to put that into play so I think that really worked well. And in the concluding part, um, they I had how to stop you know the big bad and um, a cut co- in several ways and I think that was important. And uh, I think the only thing that happened that was maybe I need to think about a little bit is I feel like the big bad was revealed a little early and that's I have to figure out the mechanic for that. I based it on luck. But by that time you know, in Pulp Cthulhu, luck is a big thing and you, you, you expend it to mitigate damage, you expend it to make your, uh, your rolls, you expend it to uh, mitigate sanity. Um, so they were, their luck was low and the mechanic I had in mind was based on luck uh, for the, the big reveal. And I think the big reveal, I felt the players loved it, there was exclamations, but for me it was a little early. Uh, but, and I had it multiple ways that the players could like solve the puzzle, solve the, solve the adventure. Um, and they did it in a way, uh, that, uh, that I thought was kind of neat. Um, really, um, it took a little doing, uh, one player had an, a good idea, but it wasn't for me the right idea. And sometimes that's okay. You know, uh, sometimes that's okay. I, I had a, a, you know, a, like a full on action idea to solve the problem and then a more intellectual, And in this case it was the intellectual way. And I think that's probably a good balance is that you have multiple ways. We had some neat moments where someone went not only temporarily insane, but now indefinitely insane, which is what you want, I think, to happen in Call of Cthulhu, um, at least according to uh, the designers that I talked to this weekend. So that's always a a check mark on your keeper box that you have people go um, indefinitely insane. And near death, no one died, no one went like totally, like uh, I have to run away and flee. One character did see the writing on the wall and took off, and that prompted the other characters in their epilogue to like, we gotta track this guy down because this information needs to be hidden and suppressed. Um, some players were taken, I mean, so in Pulp, and like in Call of Cthulhu, Pulp heroes have 20 to 40 hit points, and a couple of these big bads uh, the player char- sorry a couple of the big bad player characters, not the big bad monsters, but a couple of the big bad player characters were down to like a handful of hit points. I think that was very satisfactory, and they had to use as much as meta currency as possible—the luck uh, that I'm ta- that you know. Well, if you know Pulp Cthulhu, you know you can use luck for a lot of things, and they really used it um, for their talents, for you know, mitigating damage, for making skill rolls, for helping with sanity. Um, So yeah, I thought it was very satisfying. And again, like I said, I got good feedback. I had fantastic players. I will say, amazingly, um, my buddy Joe Salvatore, Raven God Games, got into the game. So that really helped kind of tone down my nervousness um, because you kind of have a a friend that's there. So it's not going to judge you as harshly or maybe more harshly, but give you good feedback. That's what's important. So um, that was pretty neat. And that was the bone collectors coming to a convention near you Perhaps. Well, I think in my mind, it's easiest to go chronologically. So the next game I played in is Pilgrim's Hope. I'm not going to talk about that much except to give you the setup and impressions because it is a published adventure. It's actually a really good buy and deal on drive-through RPG. I, myself, prompted by playing this adventure, am going to go buy it. Um, It looks it seems really neat. I love the setup. Here's the setup. It's a dark down dark trails. So Western and the players are part of Buffalo Bills Wild West show. So if that doesn't grab you there. Well, I guess you don't like westerns. So I thought it was a really cool setup. Uh, We get to do things um, as performers, which really pulls you in to the setup and get you in the mood. Uh, Then there's a problem. And then it becomes very investigative. I think what i what kind of bothered me too and it 's a comment I had in the in bone collectors and something that i will strive to do in design um, is um, it is kind of in a way based call of Cthulhu. and yes you have luck and people do use it in a one shot, which is cool but um it, it definitely the clues to find are predicated on spot hidden um or if you're trying to um sort of um Uh, engage with uh, NPCs then you know it's like charm persuade and if you don't get those then you don't get the clue and I know that's part and parcel for Call of Cthulhu but not it's not my favorite part of Call of Cthulhu and I I definitely know that it can frustrate players um, and then you know they end up doing something that might irritate the GM (laughs) honestly Uh, that did not happen in this game Yes, there were, uh, seemed to be a lot of uh, clues that maybe we didn't find, but there were enough to pick up on that it didn't get to that point. But I, I would say that um, it was a lot of searching, which is not a bad thing, and some luck, really, um, and some prompting by the, the GM um, with idea roles to get to where we needed to go. And maybe that's, that's okay. Um, I liked it so that you did have interactions with NPCs, A big monster check. Um, One thing I definitely will do if I um, run this game, and I don't think this is a spoiler per se, but is to really understand how the chase rules work. Um, They seem to be a a heavy part of this, um, both early and later on. And um, yeah, I think it was a very satisfying conclusion conclusion, um, and uh, enjoyed the group that I played with and like i said i I'm, was tickled enough by the experience that i'm going to go out and buy a pilgrim's hope so you, like i said you can find it on drive through and um i like down dark trails westerns and and the old west and running games or playing them is a cool thing for me so very enjoyable experience uh, to run to play that and um yeah i got to play oh i'll just say who i got to play i got to play um a, a uh, performer named Jose Luis Hernandez his horse was hella awesome um, though it did bail on me in the end but he had really cool skills like track some tracking some stealth um, as well as a performance skills um, good with the knife not so good with the gun but hey you know that's why we had Annie Oakley in the party right so um, neat experience and like I said I'm gonna get the adventure After Pilgrim's Hope, I had scheduled a session of my DCC fantasy ongoing game, Echoes from Halt, but it did not uh, meet this weekend. Um, I was ready to run something or do something, but a couple players were out. So the players that were there, what we decided to do was to just quickly um, make some characters for Weird Frontiers, which is a DCC Weird West uh, game. Created by Dave Beatty, who is a super cool dude. If you ever meet him at a convention, um, loves his game, loves to game, and uh, very approachable. So uh, what I had the players do, I didn't really want to do a funnel necessarily, because the game I have in mind, or the series of games I have in mind, would take place in New Mexico. It's called, I called it, I think, Down Dark New Mexico Trails. (laughs) And um, because the be actually weird frontier, the original title of the game was Dark Trails and other reasons, <clears throat> Chaosium. And um, well, I just had to make like an almost an, uh, three arrays. They rolled three times um, and then uh, chose the best array from that array. Then they determined the occupation, et cetera. And then after they did that, then they chose a actual class, and I one player, um, Arlen Walker of Live from Pelham's Wasteland, he chose to play a gambler. His stats really worked out with that. He had a really good luck score that seemed to be um, what gamblers hinge on, or their most important stat. The other player ended up having a really good strength and not so much good stats in the other um, attributes, so he decided to make a luchador. So, which is cool because I love luchadors and I like playing them. I, I need to find like a Luchador role-playing game, honestly, and maybe Weird Frontiers, if we get to, to the table, will uh, satisfy that itch. So that's kind of what we did. Then we kind of talked for a while. And then I moved on to my next game. But, uh, oh, I should note here that... My character did go indefinitely insane. Not only did I have a bout of madness, but he went indefinitely insane um, in the Pilgrim's Hope game. I was hoping to recapitulate that later on when I played other Call of Cthulhu games, because that's the fun part, right? Go insane. I don't know. Um, that's my opinion. You want to take action, you know, you do want to, you have survival. You want to be survive, but, you know, it's not a bad thing if you go insane and in Call of Cthulhu because that's part and parcel, and I, I guess keepers like to tick that checkbox to make sure that their players at least go insane, um, maybe. So, um, anyway, on to the next thing. That is sort of a little interlude about what I did from, you know, 8 to, um, eight to noon or so before my next game. So next on the schedule was me back up as keeper slash handler again. I ran a Delta Green adventure that I'm working on and developing called Emergency Stent. And this adventure is really inspired by events um, in my life that have happened. And it's kind of a homage to some of my family members and to things that have happened. If it ever gets to publication, it would be like a pay what you want donation to some charity, likely dealing with um, advocacy for cancer patients. So the scene starts out and there's a, what I had put in place before was, uh, there are two sort of rival conspiracies in Delta Green um, and I roll randomly to determine which one was cool is it turned out that this was a different. I run this before at a local con um, online, and uh, what, what was cool this time is that I got the other faction. So uh, the players meet um, at like a you know a nice facility, and they see this. They're um, called from various reasons. I thought something very cool um, with this group of players is they they really before the game they really asked questions, contacted me, developed. Um, I had some pre-generated NPCs, but there was things that were left blank, for example, gender, background, your situation with bonds, you know, if you've had like a mythos encounter before, what was it? Um, So the players really dove into this and it really helped me and it's definitely helping the design of the adventure as a whole because they came up with some neat things that I I asked permission to incorporate maybe in, in a potential final product. So... I thought that was very cool i let the players who kind of did this uh, talk about it and why they are there um i love what some of the players came up with um like one player came up with well i just got a a text message that said san antonio so my character's been hanging out in san antonio for the last you know month or so so i thought that was cool i also did set this adventure in san antonio i live in san antonio texas this place is totally familiar to me So, you know, I can throw in a lot of like, even in a written product, and not just running it, but throwing a lot of things that I know about San Antonio. So it'll be, at least in my my mind, accurate and give to me some verisimilitude. And hopefully that can be um, communicated to the players. So I actually, I did have the benefit also of having one of the players be a medical professional. Um, This adventure relies on some medical terminology and some, Deduction from a medical point of view. So this player is definitely willing to stay stick around as this potential uh, adventure develops and give me, you know, uh, a pass or let me send him a draft and he'll edit it out, edit it so that it sounds uh, so it becomes as accurate as possible in a fictional mythos laden game. All right, but I thought that was kind of neat. So I feel like um, that really helped me bolstered my confidence in running it. Uh, The uh, adventure starts with a surgery scene that goes wrong and uh, the players are then, there's a video of it uh, through, you know, taken from a phone and the player's job is to find out what the hell happened and suppress a leakage of this video. Um, The people they work for are on it, but it's not been super successful and they're given a list of people that were in this operating theater and contact information for the, the decedent and their family, and then the players took off. And uh, I got some good um, feedback on how the investigation went. They felt there were plenty of leads, probably some, you know, not necessarily too many, but I, they felt like it was the right amount of leads to, to both. Because you, you don't want to give them like an easy path to where they have to go. Um, and they felt that it was enough leads to make it interesting but not enough leads to make it overwhelming. So I think I got the right amount of leads that they can follow. And I I thought what was cool is they followed a different path than the last time it ran, which to me makes for replayability, um, that you can go in different directions. I did have at one point, because of their decisions they made and where they went, um, that the rival faction showed up. And one player said that was hella awesome. He loved really getting into that. It was I, I made it as cryptic as possible, um, but they really enjoyed that part. And it gave, it, honestly, it gave the martial character who maybe wasn't totally involved in the investigative part a chance to shine early on. So I thought that was really good. And and depending on which way they go, I think that's a good idea to have that kind of like, hey, give the martial guy. Uh, the pre pregens that were there, there are two that had, you know, that actually had uh, weapons, right? So other than their their fists or whatever they could pick up. So uh, that's probably a good idea to keep those players engaged. To depending on which way they go, to have some sort of like action or potential action bit. Now I think it was smart of them not to get into a firefight in the middle of the medical center in San Antonio, Texas. So they did a great job there, and they did enough. They did enough on the on the back end too to really put the rival group on ice for the remainder of the adventure. I thought that was brilliant. Uh, so that is that was the possibilities that I you know I'm thinking about um and how how you would kind of um neutralize your rival faction um or any rival party whether it's um it could be a rival faction in the conspiracy or it could be you know uh, a potential cult right so um th- there are those two possibilities i think the char- i gave enough clues and information to keep the characters engaged and i think again Uh, What I like about Delta Green, there is this sort of idea that you don't have to always be rolling if the characters are experts on a particular subject. So, you know, if you have a computer operator who just wants to go look for information, they're going to be very adept at finding information on the World Wide Web. I don't have to roll for it. I mean, and honestly, uh, maybe it's even more, even less arduous. I mean... put it in the modern day, people have access to phones, you have access to whatever you have. So, you know, you can Google a lot of information and there's a lot of information that is public um, in my mind, at least. Uh, And if they want to get dig deep and get some more private information or like hack into the university, sure. Then you'll have to roll, but, but just to find them, you know, basic public publicly accessed information, not a big deal. So I think the computer guy uh, the guy who played the computer guy really was savvy about this and was really cool with the, the rulings that were made during the game. There was a player who took up the physician character, and they really shined as well. I think uh, they really embraced the character and all the different traits that the character had. It was really great role playing um, there, and um, I think one comment that was got brought up is that there was a character who had some astronomy chops, and I really didn't dig into that. And I think that's something If I'm going to use that pregen. I really need to, you know, you want, I think you want the player's expertise to shine. So like the archeologist definitely got a lot of kind of archeologist slash almost psychoanalyst, um, got a lot of chances to shine uh, and really took a lead in a lot of the investigation. Uh, I think the, the, the one who was an astronomer was correct in that I really need to, um, get that player involved. Um, so you know if not if if I'm putting that pregen as an option then why have it unless I'm going to let them shine with their expertise why would the conspiracy whatever faction of the conspiracy bring them together unless they're going to be used so I kind of need to dive dig a little deeper into that that was a, I think a very valid criticism and will help me with it for uh, future design I thought uh the the pacing was really well I got props on pacing and the finale was very satisfying um uh it was action it was tense um some characters could have gotten really seriously hurt and um the adversary was tough enough to challenge this group of characters even a guy with an mp5 uh, sdss so uh i thought it was very satisfying i'm getting some continued feedback as well um so yeah i i thought it went really well and um this has been a very good con, I think, for me. Uh, very much helped my confidence in adventure design. So, um, so definitely, hopefully, if I can bring some of these to the table for you, my listeners, um, or others, I, I really would like to run at least um, the Medieval Pulp, if not the Delta Green, at, uh, on uh, a live convention, uh, live conventions that are coming up. I'm going to Chupa for sure. I'm probably going to go to North Texas, although North Texas, you know, really delves more into like old school games. So maybe I'll come up with like a BX game. That'd be kind of neat uh, to do. I, I definitely have lots of ideas for that. Or even hell, even a Hyperborea game because I know that is popular at that con as well. So um, yeah, so that's that was Delta Green emergency stent. Um, I oh the other compliment I got was on. On the NPCs, the NPCs that they interviewed were unique, had their own quirks, weren't stereotypical. Um, I, I, I think I really had fun with it. Um, There's a neat scene um, where they kind of arrest a poor medical student. So that was really fun for me uh, playing that poor medical student, and I think fun for the characters, um, especially when the medical student recognized, you know, someone who, who's papers and documents that they've read and, and the doctor that played um, in the game or the doctor PC that was in the game. So it was really fun. We had a good time with it. So that's it. That's Delta Green Emergency Stent, uh, sort of a, sit, uh, a debrief uh, sit rep report post game uh, for you all. Thus do we go on to the next game report, and this will also be spoiler-free. The game I played in was a modern Call of Cthulhu game called VRBO Vacation, and I'm going to be a a spoiler-free recap because uh, while this adventure hasn't been published, um, both The Keeper and another person are trying, um, have run it at conventions, they've, uh, the author loaned the pre-gens to the Keeper that ran and they may be considering releasing it as a published version at some point on drive-thru through Miskatonic uh, University Press, the sort of fan-based uh, publications. So, um, yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, both, uh, the adventure is taken from heavy inspiration from something I can mention, which is from the original Brockford House scenario from an older Call of Cthulhu edition um so i have not played that um that adventure um so i don't know maybe some of you might know that would be the only spoiler here so the setup is we're a bunch of people he did kind of make it contemporary it is modern um but modern like 2021 not 1990s so you know we are a bunch of um 20 somethings who are friends have been friends for a long time and we finally uh, because of COVID, are going to get out on a vacation a weekend out up um, into, um, uh, in Wisconsin, in the Lake Superior, I think on the edge of, someplace on Lake Superior. So I played Quincy, who was a nurse. And I really had a good time with this character. Yes, I was two for two. I did go, I did have bouts of madness. And I think I am to talk about the bouts of madness, because that was a fun part, um, you know, when we get into it, you know, we do investigation there's some creepy things going on in the house um and things sort of build up and i thought there was really the adventure is really neat and i can't wait till it comes out because i would definitely get it i love the pacing and the build-up and the scary thing on the edge of your the scary things on the edge of your vision that you don't know what the hell is going on it's just you know because we're renting this haunted house um that's the setup and hey are these actors or what so i think that was a cool vibe throughout the whole thing uh, we find some some blasts, some weird books, uh, which is also neat. So Quincy uh, kind of at some point goes crazy, and um, my bouts of madness were kind of fun. I got a mania for numbers, uh, so I started like scrawling out numbers everywhere uh, with chicken bones or pens or a knife um, everywhere in the house, which was kind of fun. And the other bout of madness I had is I became, in a way, very precise and was manic about that I was the I had the best plan and I was the smartest person around. So then I kind of took that and ran with it, and I basically became mayhem from the Allstate commercials. You know, just kind of talking and narrating what I exactly what I was doing because that was the best course of action, and that was pretty fun too. Um, ended up, you know, uh, hurting my shoulder on the side of a car. Uh, rolling around on the ground with an adversary. So it was, it was really fun. Uh, we did escape, uh, the, I think because, uh, I, I thought it was really neat, uh, di- good dynamic that came out in this game with the players is we really, no one really, we really talked to each other. So I think that's very important in a game where you don't know a lot of the other players and, and we talked to each other about decision-making and what decisions we would make in character and I think we came to a decision of the majority, and I, and I think everyone agreed since we were all friends and we, you know, we've been through the shit before. That hey, we're gonna get through this together. And I thought that was really neat. So that was to me was a, the cool thing about that adventure. So you know, buying into this adventure, um, hopefully you'd have players that would want to do that. That remember that you guys are all friends and been friends for a while. Um, so it, it was definitely fun a great group of players and I have had not been um, have not been or what have not been disappointed with both the quality of players during this convention and the quality of the games offered and how the GMs presented them I think uh this has been a really good experience so that is VRBO vacation a modern call of cthulhu scenario carry on my wayward son There'll be peace when you are done. Lay your weary head to rest. Don't you cry no more. One little correction. The game that I played that is the Sword and Sorcery PDQ game is Jaws of the Six Serpents. And you can find it on DriveThru, which is cool. The last game I played was run by Scott Dorwood author of many Cthulhu scenarios, including the Two Serpents pulp Cthulhu scenario. And I thought it was kind of cool. I got to share, they were kind of talking about Scott Dorwood and um, his kind of craziness and difficulty in the scenarios he makes. And I got to say, well, Scott, you got another technical death because I recently played in Two Serpents and uh, yeah, I had to use my luck to survive. And he goes, oh, out of curiosity where where did your character's demise happen and I said Iceland and everyone laughed and he says yes yes it's always in Iceland so that's kind of a little anecdote for you maybe not such a spoiler maybe it is but um yeah it's cool group of players had a great time got out of my comfort zone and playing my character for sure and this was the ragged army so the ragged army Is a sword and sorcery scenario that takes place in the walled city of Arakin in the land of Sartain. It's similar to a hyperborean age of Conan. Um, Sartain would be like Aquilonia, but not worry. Think about early medieval France, maybe some of the Clark Ashton Smith stuff. Uh, The city is a wealthy trading center, but it does have a dark underbelly. We're people that have fallen through the cracks of society. Uh, We were once wealthy. We have lived in the shadows. Either way, we have to resort to dangerous, dubious, or outright critical means to survive. And as we open, the city is under siege from a barbarian horde. There have been no supplies coming to the city, and the social order is beginning to break down. So, this gives us an opportunity. And we have Brayden the Blizzard, once a barbarian warlord, now old and uh, weak from disease and age. Kargash the Undying, a drunken sorcerer says he was the greatest of all time. Mother Lavelle, um, she is a mother to all the city's lost children. Um, knows, you know, kind of imagine. I would say, oh, how imagine like a Fagin type character uh, from Oliver Twist. She keeps the children safe and warm in the dangerous and cold world. Of course, in re- in return, they bring secrets and valuables that come their way. I played Barom the Sleek. He was the eldest son of the Count Salik. I should have been next in line to rule um, should my father die, but instead. My libertine tendencies have led me to be disinherited and sent penniless into the streets. I earn my way selling my body and on occasion blackmailing my clients. So I am a male gender bisexual prostitute in this game. And finally, we have the voice of Arakeen, former Arna- Arca- anarchist firebrand and revolutionary who's uh, broken uh, from past uh, run-ins with the law and... Um, broken by torture uh, does she have one last bit of fire in her and I would say yes we did we had such a great time we play is using the PDQ system which seems to be like a fate like system uh, four sword and sorcery it uses jaws of the serpent as the rule set and I, I, I've never I've run fate game once and it was great to sit there and learn some more fate and how it works and I really enjoyed it Uh, what we did and and actually i mean i did comment on to scott that we have some pretty powerful characters in their respective niches i mean we were able to do some very cool things in this game i'm not going to go into all the details because i'm i'm likely it might be coming out and published but we were able to uh, save our bar uh, from being ransacked by the city guard Uh, we caused a riot to prevent the unnecessary Um, execution of thieves, including a lot of Mother Lavelle's uh, wards, uh, children from the city. We did a great job there. I, personally, I got to use one of my meta currencies. You have three fortune, one of which is you can um, add in a minor detail about the world, and Scott was cool with me uh, having the executioner, the man in charge of this uh, setup in the market, as my lover. And we were actually able to recruit this executioner man named Gaucher to our side. So I thought that was kind of fun and cool. Um, we next, we turned the riot to storm the noble's quarter and the palace and a combination of myself and Mother Lavelle knowing secrets and the highways and byways of the city. We remembered or we found the secret passages into the castle and stormed it. Um, I definitely feel at a game like this, it's very narrative. And depending on the GM, um, I don't know. I don't know how um, maybe you guys can answer. In a game like this where there's a lot of narrative, I guess it really is up to the GM whether your zany ideas will work or not. And I guess you got to give a good argument to see what uh, uh, qualities you can put into play. So qualities are rated from plus four down to minus two for negative qualities. And what qualities come into play? And then you roll the dice and then there's a, a chart uh, which can tell you the outcome. So, you know, we, hit, we, I would say Scott was generous with what talents and qualities we could bring to bear. And um, the die rolls in general were in our favor, Favor, although I think most of us used at least two of our three fortune. Uh, there's one fortune where you can re- get a re-roll at a D-sex plus the result of your previous uh, die, which really helps. And I know I use that, and while we were in the palace palace to avoid severe injury when I was trying to stand, have some guards um, stand down. So some cool things did happen, um, I think, is that, you know, uh, the voice of arakeen were able to confront their old torturer. Um, Allah, you killed my father, prepare to die from Princess Bride. I thought that was a very neat uh, fight where Mother Lavelle and voice of Arakin took down the torturer uh, through their combined actions. We prevented um, my father the count from escaping the palace mother lovell and i uh, knowing the secret passages in the uh in the palace definitely helped with that and then finally uh not with any sorcery but with some thieving skills the kargash the undying broke into the count's room um, and we confronted my father and my plan was to put brayden on the throne i Varome is one of those who would rather leave or be in charge from the shadows, much like the voice, much like Mother Lavelle. Um, Although maybe the voice is a bit more active. Um, Anyway, uh, Brayden and the Count got into a scuffle. um, And actually, the Count did really well against the old barbarian. And it was, again, Kargash the Undying um, who smacked him on the head and we captured him. There were some taunts back and forth. And finally, Kargash woke up and through various uh, machinations and manipulations, while Varome and the voice of Arakeen stood on the battlements and Mother Lavelle at the palace watching from a balcony with her children, saw Kargash the Undying and Brayden the Blizzard go out and confront the barbarian horde. Uh, The Brayden's character had a great uh, one-on-one fight with his son who had deposed him and left him for dead. That was really cool and Kargash summoned Hell to destroy the Barbarian Horde. So yeah, it was crazy, over-the-top sword and sorcery, but I really like the rule set. And again, you know, I think you have to have a... I don't know, generous is a word that comes to mind. Perhaps that is not the case. But, uh, you know, your mileage may vary on whether as a GM you would allow such shenanigans. But, I, you know, if you have a logical and compelling argument... And you have the qualities with which to do these things, sure, go for it. And sometimes we didn't have the qualities, and sometimes we had negatives, but we were, again, rolling pretty well. Um, we rolled like on on the dice spot or you know, um, or physical dice, and uh, yeah, it was very cool. I mean, I think again, everyone used their 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 fortune points, um, so we used our meta currencies like as as you want, you know, you want that to happen to do the over-the-top things, I think, um, for the, or for the over-the-top things to succeed. But we saved the city, and uh, yeah, Arakeen uh, lives another day instead of being overrun by the barbarian horde. So I thought that was pretty cool. It was a really fun session. Um, a lot of, I think a lot of equal participation. I think something else that Scott did very well is give everyone Some camera time to do things, um, which really helped. And there really wasn't a lot of um, that over talking. Um, People were very respectful, uh, very open to the crazy ideas that we all had. Um, It's a pretty cool, very fun game. I I mean, again, like, like Pilgrim's Hope, and looking forward to VRBO vacation. I look forward to seeing this game in print and for sure getting Jaws of the Serpent. I mean, maybe. Um, I know we run a lot of sword and sorcery type games um, um, including you know the the Reaver playtest that I'm a part of but uh, this seems to be a really neat role set and it could really work and I know it's like for example um, I do have some players for example my wife Amy who loves a more narrative style so that would appeal to them more than like a crunchy a D D&D style type of game in my opinion um, so yeah uh, it was pretty cool I had a great time and um Sure, I think we've gone close. I've uh, gone over, but I want to give you guys some feedback, and especially, you know, share with you some of my design ideas and the feedback I got on that. So, um, yeah, let's conclude this. This one. So um, T.J. Drennan does the intro and outro music, and Amy Rodriguez does the um, cover art for the geomologist podcast thank you for listening and you can contact me uh, leave a message on anchor tell me what you think about my weekend with good friends um you can also send me an email as well with uh audio file if you want me to play it i will and without that without further ado uh, let's see here that uh that outro which is very cool that jamming outro by tj drennan